trying to move forward now after that awful performance against Duke. We're going to find out which Miami Hurricanes players want to be here and which ones don't. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much, even in these toughest of times, for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode of Locked on Canes is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Hurricanes and Virginia Cavaliers right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love. For a price you'll love. Try it today. So, you know, we like to do this on Mondays, win or lose. Here's what we learned about our Miami Hurricanes in that 45 to 21 loss against the Duke Blue Devils. The number one thing for me, and I'm not saying we weren't already learning this throughout the year. It's becoming more and more apparent loss after loss. But the number one thing we've learned is these Miami Hurricanes players are not retaining or executing what they're being taught during the week. You've got, as we've talked about, a very expensive coaching staff, most expensive Miami's ever had by far, trying to teach winning habits and football habits to these guys, and it's failing. And honestly, for the purposes of this point, I don't care if you blame coaching or players for that. Players and coaches need to do better. I've been watching UM football since the 1980s. I was born in 1984. I have never seen anything like it at home in a regular season game. An eight turnover performance on offense. You know, those who remember the 87 Fiesta Bowl, you thought that was bad? That was seven turnovers, and at least that was against a good Penn State team in a bowl game. It wasn't at home against Duke. When you make this many unforced errors, like those five fumbles and those three interceptions, that wasn't a very good look for Jake Garcia, unfortunately. Um, but when you make that many unforced errors, it makes all of us start to wonder if some of these players are starting to check out. I would like to think that coaches who have been at previous stops like Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Michigan and Oregon, Miami coaches come from places like that and have worked like places like that throughout the years, would know how to run practices properly. I would like to think that. I would like to think that they know how to drill properly and prepare these players properly. Uh, so we're not talking about coaches who came over from Temple, right? Do you remember when the team stunk when Al Golden was here and you're like, well, he came over from Temple, brought most of his staff over from Temple. Maybe they just don't know how to prepare like a big-time program. You've got coaches who came from some of the biggest programs in the country, and for whatever reason, if it's coaching just not adapting enough to these players or these players just not being as good as some of y'all thought that they were, there's clearly been a disconnect between players retaining and executing what they're being taught throughout the week. And that's something Mario has been harping on after every loss. He's like, this is this is just what we're drilling. We seem to be doing okay sometimes in practice, and we take a huge step back on game day. It's been really frustrating. So that's number one. Number two, yes, 
a lot of the best players on the team right now, not all of them, but a lot of the best players on the team right now are Mario guys, not Manny guys. And I hope that's a good sign for things to come. Colby Young has been the MVP of the team each of the past two weeks. He's a transfer. Akeem Mesidor on defense might be the best player on the team, period. Transfer. Daryl Jackson, a defensive tackle, one of the best. Transfer. A true freshman, Wesley Besaint, showing a lot of improvement. Didn't grade out that well per pro football focus, but he's he's been a bright spot for a young player. Jaleel Skinner, same thing. Jakari Brown, same thing. True freshman showing real promise. And so what I'm getting at here is I'm wondering if we're starting to see that um, – the players that came here to play for Mario, right? The true freshmen and the uh, the transfers who like who signed up to play for this guy. They didn't sign up to play for the previous guy. If those are the ones that are maybe retaining more of their effort in the latter part of the year versus the guys who didn't sign up to play for this staff. I wonder if that's something going on with this team. So yes, a lot of the best players on this team right now are Mario guys. That's not a total thing. Tyler Van Dyke, gosh, I hope he's going to be okay. He's obviously having a great year the past few weeks. Um, you know, Will Mallory, Leonard Taylor, those were Manny Diaz guys, to be fair. Um, now, some of the Manny Diaz guys who were highly touted, like James Williams, are not performing, I believe, up to the level that they can perform to. So that's a whole nother issue in itself. The third thing that we learned, and this is a big one, um, I think that improvements can be made here but the third thing we learned from that duke loss is there is indeed a big drop-off between tyler van dyke and jake garcia jake was not doing a good job in the second half of that game or the second quarter he had some bright spots in the third quarter but jake garcia when he came in for the injured van dyke was not doing a good job identifying coverages he looked so out of sync with his receivers that it made me wonder if he really knows the playbook that was a humbling performance for a talented player. So you go back a few weeks. I guess when Mario and Frank Ponce and Josh Gaddis a few weeks ago were deciding whether to start Tyler after the bye week or Jake after the bye week, I guess maybe they got it right when some of us thought that they didn't. Now, with that said, I see some of you guys just like completely moved on from Garcia. Like, oh, this guy ain't it terrible at least we figured out this guy can't play um that's the knee jerk of all knee jerks okay the same way any of us were wrong to think van dyke was completely finished in that middle tennessee game as if he could never come back and play well after that it's wrong to think that jake garcia is now a guy who can't recover from this i know jake is talented i've seen it i've seen it on the practice field i've seen it in games so maybe he's gotten complacent since every previous time he's come into football games, he's had success and people have been chanting his name and cheering for him. Uh, and then maybe he got complacent and didn't prepare properly for that Duke game, not thinking he was even going to play that day. So now Garcia, if we are to assume that he's going to be the starter for a while here, I'm making an assumption when I say that he's got now a full week to prepare as the starter. And I still have faith that Garcia can win games. Even on this Miami team, I think Garcia can go out there and win some games. So that's number three. The fourth thing that we learned from the debacle against Duke was, uh, and I had to I had to double check the pro football focus numbers and the snap counts just to make sure I had this right, and I did have it right. Thaddeus Franklin got zero snaps against Duke. 
Like, not just zero carries, zero snaps, period. Same number of snaps as me. Guys, I'm puzzled by that one. I don't know maybe if there might be some kind of a low-key injury that we don't know about or if he's in Mario Cristobal's doghouse for some reason, but it's my understanding he was not hurt, that Thad Franklin was fully available to play. That's my understanding. Uh, So I honestly don't know what to do with this. I do know this, though. Moving forward, if Thad Franklin is indeed healthy, I want to see him getting more opportunities now than certain running backs who keep fumbling every game. Um, I was happy, though, to see Lucius Stanley get some burn. I know he came up short, supposedly, on that fourth down that turned it over. Um, Maybe the call wasn't great in the first place, though. Uh, I think Lucius Stanley can play, and I'm happy that Henry Parrish is back. But Thad Franklin not getting used at all, that was a head-scratcher, right? Because we've talked about it so many times on this show. They need to be giving Thad more opportunities, not less opportunities, because he always maintains that high yards per carry average, and he's got that size. He doesn't always run like a big guy, and that could be part of the problem. He doesn't always run like he's a 240-pounder. But um, I don't know if like taking playing time away from him to send a message, if that's necessarily the best thing for this football team, but we will find out. The fifth thing we learned against the Duke Blue Devils is – Miami missed 16 tackles against Duke per pro football focus. 16 tackles missed. That's really bad, guys. Up until this point in the season, Miami had actually been a considerably better tackling team this year than last year, but now they're starting to look like the 2021 Canes again. When I see so many guys trying to just torso tackle, like they have no arms to wrap up with um, and you know get run over by players that they shouldn't, Again, it makes me start to wonder if some of these players have checked out. It was a really tough day for the linebackers. Uh, Keontre Smith, Corey Flagg, and Wes Besaint actually combined for seven missed tackles between the three of them. So that was a big thing. And I kind of wonder about that. If it's just maybe these players are reverting back to their old habits from last year because they're they're tired, they've never practiced this hard, and now that the losses start to pile up, you know, they're they're kind of out of it, or if they're just sort of done with this season the way that some of you fans seem to be. Whatever it is, man, it makes me wonder if some of these players have checked out when the tackling, which had been an improvement, starts to become a big issue once again. We have so much more to come on this episode of Locked on Canes, guys. I want to read some of your Twitter questions and comments um, because you guys are – I think you guys are wondering where we go from here and how much faith we should still have in this rebuild. Okay. So I want to get into that. Uh, And there's also, if you want to, if you want to ask me about recruiting, I hope every single verbal commit and potential verbal commit to the Miami hurricanes has the same energy as Francis Maui Goa. Want to share a quote of the five-star offensive tackle. So folks, we have so much to come. Keep it locked right here to locked on Canes. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the brand new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. So when I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be one of the few bright spots for the Hurricanes. Our thrilling moment from that, whatever that was against Duke, came at a time when we thought maybe Maybe Miami can complete the comeback to win this game against the Blue Devils. The Hurricanes were down 17-14 to in the third quarter. Jake Garcia in at quarterback. 
Miami was at third and five at the Duke 34-yard line. Garcia founds a streaking Will Mallory, who gallops into the end zone for a 34-yard touchdown reception. That gave the Hurricanes a 21-17 lead. It gave us hope, but that ended up being Miami's final lead of the game because Duke ends up charging downfield for a nine-minute touchdown drive, and they never relinquish control after that. But for that shining moment, when Will Mallory gave us the lead off of that catch from Jake Garcia, we thought, by gosh, the Hurricanes might just win this game. That was thrilling. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, a lot of former Miami Hurricanes players tweet during games, um, and it's interesting to follow a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, we follow, obviously, friends of the show like Malik Rozier, who tweets his frustration during games. Uh, Kelvin Harris tweets a lot during games. I don't know if Joaquin Gonzalez is still as active as he used to be. He used to complain a lot during games. But yeah, every now and then, Warren Sapp will tweet during games. And okay, when a lot of former Miami players, when they live tweet during games, and sometimes they get frustrated because that's what happens when your alma mater is not very good. Um, for the most part, I can respect it, right? Like, who am I to say, hey, you shouldn't be venting your frustrations on Twitter? But I cannot respect Warren Sapp, what he tweeted after the fifth of eight Miami turnovers. He tweeted five turnovers with the hashtag point shaving at the U. Dude, Warren, it's it's clown stuff. Now, Warren Sapp has a reputation uh, and, you know, he doesn't exactly downplay it when he writes stuff like this. If that was meant to be a joke when you're talking about point shaving with your former college team, if that's meant to be a joke, someone in his position as one of the most high profile alumni, I don't believe should be making a joke about something that serious. And if he, he is indeed, and I hope this isn't the case, if he is indeed making a point shaving allegation, it's a very serious one from someone with a platform that can be taken quite seriously. So to me, it just came off as really immature and it seems quite fitting for Warren Sapp's reputation. But it's like, dude, if, if you want to be angry at the coaches, fine. Like he had tweeted something earlier about uh, Cristobal's master plan. Like, okay, if you're, if you're already starting to turn on the head coach, like you're entitled to that opinion. I do not believe you were entitled to write something that sounds like you were accusing these college players of, you know, being on the take. Like, I, I, I don't like that at all. I do not respect that. I do not respect that one bit. You guys were tweeting to us at Locked on Canes. And by the way, if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. And if you tweet us, there's a good chance we could read your tweet on the show. And if we don't, we'll probably answer it on Twitter anyway. Uh, good, good tweet to us by Chris. He says, you can't coach speed. Miami has no speed, he says. Certainly not enough. He says, especially on defense and at wide receiver. The coaching staff has to all-out press on Ricks, Bain, and Samu in recruiting. Play the young guys to get experience for next season. Block out all the delusional fans. Miami has to increase the team speed. There's definitely, um, and some of the blame on this maybe goes to the offensive scheme, but there's definitely just a a complete lack of game-changing explosive plays 
We've been getting more of that from Colby Young, by the way. And obviously, Colby Young is not like a, you know, he's not a, a four flat 40 yard dash guy. He's a big, tall receiver. He's fast for his size. Like he's fast for six foot five. Colby Young's been giving us a couple big plays every week. He scored a 71 yard touchdown this past week. But it's, isn't it kind of sad though that you've got so many receivers who have been here for the past two, three years? And then the guy who just walks in from junior college is just clowning the rest of them. Like that's where we're at right now that a, a guy just walks in from Juco and he's looking better than any other wide receiver on the roster. Um, you know, Jalen Knighton has a whole bunch of issues right now with his fumbling, but even when he's not fumbling, like he's not making those game-changing 50, 60-yard plays that he made somewhat consistently last year. So, yeah, you're, you're lacking speed. You're lacking game-changing ability. Maybe some of it is just on the offensive scheme, not putting these guys in positions. Uh, but that's definitely something that's been missing, and, and I thank you for pointing that out, Chris. Good tweet here by Senor Queso. He says, we as a fan base continue to play ourselves with the latest coaches changing uh, and think it's going to – suddenly make it all better like every time we change coaches it's going to be better instantly but it's not he says our current situation is a direct result of this mentality culture doesn't exist without time and passion because it requires patience to build a culture um allow me if i may to give you my opinion on this whole thing for a minute when it comes to culture building okay and why why this coaching staff isn't, you know, waving kind of a magic wand. And there are certain first-year staffs out there who are making more of an instant success. I mean, my first-year coach, Mario Cristobal, just lost a first-year and first-time head coach, Mike Elko. So I get it that that literally just happened, that our first-year coach just lost to the first-year head coach from Duke. After every loss now, people will tell me, this is a direct quote from dozens of you. Quote, this team would be better right now if Manny Diaz was coaching it. I keep getting that. Now, I can't tell if all of those people, if you just want to say that to try and diminish Mario or if you legitimately wish Manny Diaz was still the head coach here. I hope that's not the case. But okay, so I, I see it every day. People say this team would be better right now. They'd be winning more games if Manny Diaz was coaching it right now. Honestly, you might be right about that. Honestly, 90% of the players on this roster were handpicked by Manny Diaz, and they committed to play for Manny. It's not looking like this team right now who are three and four with some tough games left, it's not looking like this team is going to win seven games this year. And if Manny Diaz was still here, they might. They might win seven games. But, folks, there's a reason for that, and there's a reason why I think even if that can be true, I think the ceiling for this coach and this regime is so much higher than the ceiling for the previous coach. Because guess what? Seven and five was pretty close to the ceiling for the way that things were previously going. And I think the ceiling is so much higher now for the future. Do you think it's a coincidence, right? Talking about how, because people also ask me, like, how come a lot of these same players were so much better under Manny Diaz? Like, how come this amazing coaching staff can't even make these guys play as well as they played for Manny? Okay, do you think there's a coincidence that most of the top players on this team right now literally just came here from somewhere else to play for Mario? When a new staff comes in and they try to change literally everything that these players did under the previous coaches, because that's what hap what's happening. I, 
these these players day to day are probably outside of the fact that they still change in locker rooms, which aren't even the same locker rooms from last year. They're doing everything different from what they did in previous years. So when a new staff comes in and they try to change everything from the ground up, two things can happen. Okay, number one, everyone adapts and it fits like a glove. That's obviously not happening here. The changes are not fitting like a glove. Now, that seems to be happening for the most part at a place like USC under Lincoln Riley, who's one hell of a head coach, by the way. But, you know, Riley also brought in a ton of transfers, even more than Miami, including his hand-picked quarterback, who he recruited and coached at Oklahoma. Uh, So I wish that was happening here, guys. I wish that Mario Cristobal could be doing what Lincoln Riley did, and it's just peace and love, harmony, and everybody adapts immediately. That's not happening. So the second thing that can happen when a new staff comes in and they change everything from the ground up, holdover players do not adapt to the change. Perhaps they don't play as hard for the new coach as you'd like, since this isn't the guy that they signed up to play for in the first place. I believe that's what Mario was saying indirectly. After the game on Saturday, when he challenged players to go somewhere else, if they didn't want to work hard here, uh, I think he was alluding to that. And then to add to point number two, when you change the way you play, uh, some of the players won't fit the new system because, again, they were not taught or recruited to play this way. So I think that's what was happening. And that's why I know every time you hear someone say this, you want to slap them in the face when they're like, well, you know what? You need to get a couple of your recruiting classes in here. You need to get your guys in. Then you, I know that you get annoyed in hearing that all the time. But I'm telling you, it is true. It is true to an extent. Um, And you have to hope. And I'm not guaranteeing you that it's going to become national championship caliber again once they get their own guys in. But I'm telling you, it should get better uh, once you have guys who are bought in and that fit the system better. So I think that's what's happening here. I think that this is a demolition. I, I think that we are in that process of demolition where, you know, you're realizing we've got to tear it down to build it back up better. Okay, because, yeah, we could have kept doing the Manny Diaz, Blake James thing. And, you know, let's go seven and five, maybe eight and four if we catch a couple of breaks. Uh, And they may be doing better with these players this year. Had you not fired that coaching staff, I'm still happy we did. I'd rather be here today. Three and four on the season. I'd rather be here talking about people like Mario Cristobal and Charlie Strong and Frank Ponce and Kevin. I'd rather be talking about these people than I would be talking about, you know, Diaz and that Motley crew from the last couple of years. I I wouldn't trade in what's happening right now, even at three and four, for maybe being four and three if the previous staff was here right now. I wouldn't trade it in. Oh, so pretty cool recruiting note. Um, You know, I don't want you guys to give up hope on recruiting. Losing doesn't help, uh, but hopefully it won't hurt as much as some of you think. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Guys, Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the bigger stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and beyond the, and behind the scenes with the local experts and insight only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, sweat block has saved me. I'm sweating a little bit today, to be honest. I got I to gotta take my sweat block. But, you know, I do a lot of uh, TV play-by-play from every now and then. And I live in South Florida, which is the sweat capital of the world. Humidity always wins. 
And yeah, sometimes I get those nasty pit stains and it's embarrassing. I'm a guy, you know, we sweat until I found sweat block. They changed the game for me. Sweat Sweat block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I like this quote from five-star Miami Hurricanes commit Francis Maui Goa, one of the best offensive linemen in the country for the class of 2023. He's been down here from IMG Academy to uh, visit for a couple of Miami games, and he's seen them take a couple of L's, okay? He was here for the North Carolina game. And he was just here this past weekend for the Duke game. And as you would imagine, right, and this is happening, I know, with Maui Goa. It's happening with Jaden Rashada. It's happening with Jaden Wayne. Like, all of the top-rated guys who are verbally committed to Miami, the vultures are circling. Miami's having a bad season, right? So the Bamas, the Florida States, and not that Florida State's doing that great right now, uh, but, you know, anybody competing for recruits with Miami, they're hitting up these guys. They're blowing up their phones. Why would you want to play there? That's a mess. It's a disaster. Come and play here. They're getting blown up. Well, Francis Maui Goa is not budging. He had this quote to Izubi Charles of Kane Sport. And thank you, Izubi, for, for sharing this on, on the website. He says, tough loss, but you know we'll bounce back. I came out here checking my phone and social media exploded and stuff. Talking about, hey, you come in here, come there, everywhere. He says, just to let them know, I am 100% committed. Not changing my mind. Win or lose, I'm going to bring the you back. Think about that for a second. Um, The last part of that quote, I am going to bring the you back. Whether you think that's a false promise that these coaches are making to recruits, um, whether you think that's like a real thing or not, that's been the message and it needs to be the message that and also, you know, the more you can keep this class together, because when a guy like Maui Goa looks at a top player like Jaden Rashada, who, gosh, I hope he stays committed. I worry about Jaden Rashada only because he's out in California. We don't hear a whole lot. People, you know, local media don't talk to him very much. I don't know what's going through his mind. The uh, the four star verbally committed quarterback, because you better believe he's being recruited hard by some of the top programs in the country who are going to try to pull him away from Miami. And since he's so far away and we don't hear from him very much, I don't know what he's thinking. Like, I I don't know if someone's going to be able to successfully rip him away or not. He's not very vocal. Um, but, you know, with a guy like Maui Goa, that says it. So, obviously, when you're recruiting these players, you can't sell the present to them. You can't, right? You have to sell them on the future. You have to sell them on look at our track record with recruiting our track record with team building. I think it's even easier with offensive linemen because, you know, they can look at Panay Sewell who played for Mario Cristobal at Oregon and they understand, you know, what it's like to play offensive line for Cristobal and Mirabal, but you have to sell them on the future and the idea that right now there are a lot of problems, but these guys can come in and they become the solution. I think that's a big thing. You sell them on the future and listen, I know this is something that, um, It's not really in in Mario's control because it depends on the businesses and the collectives around the community. But, I mean, we know in this day and age, 
NIL is important. We know how important it is. So if you're asking me, how can Miami possibly get any recruits? Like, how do you get anybody after you're three and four, you're losing to Duke, you're losing to Middle Tennessee. You have to sell them on the future and how they're going to be the ones to turn it around. And yes, you've got to hope that the collectives out there and the people like John Ruiz come to the table with some big time NIL because that's how you compete, right? I mean, Florida State had an awful season last year. They still had a really good recruiting class. Texas has been awful. They had one of the best recruiting classes in the country. So wait, if you're telling me if you're not a good team, you can't possibly recruit, that's not really how this works, right? You just have to have a staff that knows how to sell it. And in this day and age, you've got to have competitive NIL. That'll do it for today's show. Always have so much fun. Make sure you drop us your comments at Locked on Canes on Twitter. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. You can leave us YouTube comments day and night. I read all of them. I miss very few, if any, YouTube comments. We've gotten a lot of them the last couple of days with what's going on. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Larry Bluestein is going to be on with us tomorrow. So I really, really look forward to that. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen. Now, for your second listen, checked on Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available now on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.